if you have a Bible with you, please open it to Exodus chapter 32. Um, we are in, in verses 1 through 28. Exodus 32, uh, 1 through 28. Those of you who do not have a Bible, we do have the text on the screen. If you need to uh, shift your seat around uh, to be able to see it, um, please do so if you need to. And uh, let's pray before we begin. Lord, I pray for your help in preaching your word. I pray for us as a congregation in hearing your word, that you would give us hearts that are able to receive even hard words that are, that, are, that are in the scriptures, that we would be people who are moved by the spirit to respond uh, in the way that you would want us to. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, I think a lot of you guys know, I, I, I've said it a few times, but I was married before I was actually married. I got married when I was 21, and, uh, and it did not go well. Okay, like, uh, it was over within eight months, a year, something like that. And the reason I bring that up is because, you know, it was uh, the, 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 the minister who did the wedding, it was like an old-timey service where you have, what do they call it? The declamation, is that what it's called? If anyone knows a reason uh, why these people should not, like that, that's an old timey thing from, from like, they're like, they're related, you know, and, and people didn't realize it. That's what it actually was. Uh, it kind of became, it kind of became, uh, you know, like, if anybody, you know, like in the movies, like, wait, I actually love her, whatever. Um, but, you know, like he asked that question, uh, during, during the service. And it, I don't know if any of you had that in your wedding service, if you got married, you do tense up. You know, no one's going to say anything, but you do tense up. I wish they had said something. There, when he, does anybody know the reason these two shouldn't be married? There should have been a cavalcade of, no, they're immature, they're bad for each other, you know, all this stuff. And the reason I say that, that the reason there should have been a chorus, a cacophony, a novalanche, if you will, is because afterwards, you know, when I was kind of going through the, the, this really difficult period, everybody said the same two things. The first thing they said was, oh, yeah, we saw this coming. It's like, what? It's like, yeah, yeah, you're too immature, uh, you know, like. You, you really, really shouldn't have done this. We could see that this was not healthy. I was like, I would have loved to have heard that before I married her. See, edgy. And then they, the second thing they said was all uniform too. They said, we didn't think you'd listen. You were so dead set. We just didn't think you'd hear it. I find that hard to argue with. You know Why? We don't like to hear hard truth. We don't like to hear what we don't like to hear. This is true of all of us. You know, there's actually like people who study brains, like, like living brains, not dead ones. People who study brains, there's something called confirmation bias. When you hear something that you agree with or you like, pleasure centers in your brain light up. Anyone who actually knows brains, don't ruin this for me. Okay, um, I just read it in the news. And, and when you hear something you disagree with or something that's unpleasant, right? You're whatever, displeasure centers or whatever. It, it causes cognitive dissonance. We literally don't enjoy hearing hard truth. We don't like hearing what we don't like to hear. 
Increasingly, people only gravitate towards news sources which jive well with what they already think, right? And anything that's, that, that contradicts that, we, we avoid. Why? We don't like to hear what we don't like to hear. This is why people don't like going to the dentist. You've not been doing a good job flossing. I know, it's true, but I don't like hearing it, so I delay the appointment. I know none of you do that, right? Not one, nobody. Actually, my dentist uh, is impressed by my back molar brushing. Just, just thought I'd throw that in there. Someone sits down and says, you know, your, your drinking is out of control. Your drinks, drinking's unhealthy. You ever tried that with someone who's in the middle of a drinking problem? How's that go? They like hearing it? They're receptive? Oh, thanks for pointing that out. No, that's not how it goes, is it? People don't want to hear hard truth. This is, this is why Simon Cowell was such a revelation. Like when, when American Idol first came out, you know? It's because especially in our, in our, our society, we just, like my generation, we, it, it was like, and subsequent generations, it's like everything you do is amazing. You know, like, like these people who go on to American Idol thinking, oh, I, I have a shot. Right? It's because their, their grandma was sitting there saying, oh, honey, you sing like an angel. You know, and they get up there and they're terrible. And Simon Cowell is like, oh, my God. You sound like a wolverine in a hunter's trap. Right? And, and everyone's like, oh. like America, it was a sensation because they're like, what's he doing? He's just saying what's true. Right? It's, it's clear. Yeah, she sounds like a wolverine. But, but, but you don't say that. You don't just say the truth. We don't like to hear what we don't like to hear. And so increasingly, we listen to the ear ticklers, right? Politicians who tell us what we want to hear. Friends who just are yes men and yes women. Preachers who only say things we like and aren't edgy this morning. We can't hear criticism a lot of the time. You know, there's a, like a meme that was circulating. Don't listen to your haters. That's like, that's fine. But like, is everyone who says a hard truth a hater? Like we don't listen to anything that might be critical of ourselves. We never reflect and take a hard look and hear the the hard truth. And you know what the number one spreading version of Christian theology is? It's the health and wealth thing. Like God wants you to have money and be healthy. You know, and leave out all the, leave out anything difficult. Leave out any hard truth. And a lot of the time, what we end up with is this highly edited version of the, of the Christian faith that, like, Jesus or Paul would not recognize. Now, that was all set up because you're just not going to like this text. <laughs> okay? This, this, this text today is full of hard truth. But I hope by the end of the sermon... We can see that there's a good reason for us to listen to hard truth and even blessing in it. Let's, so what we often do when we have a, a narrative text, a story text, is we're just going to pay close attention to the details of the text and then afterwards talk about what it means. So if you're like, why is he sharing this detail? We'll, we'll get there, okay? Okay, so Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up! Make us gods who shall go before us. 
As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Okay, quick recap. For those of you who have been tracking the book of Exodus, they started out enslaved, the people of Israel. God comes in. These people saw the miracles of deliverance. They got delivered out of Egypt after Pharaoh was defeated by God. They saw the Red Sea. Remember that? Right, where Chuck Heston is like, Anyway, you need to see Ten Commandments to track this series. Then they, they go through the wilderness. And what do they get every day? Miracle bread, manna. They, they had miracle water too. Miracle pigeons, that usually gets left out. But they were fed and, and, and given water by God every day. They come to Mount Sinai and the, 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 what's called the theophany, the presence of God. Right? This, this thunderstorm, earthquake, volcano presence at the top of Mount Sinai comes down. They are given the Ten Commandments in the Book of the Law. Do you guys remember what the first commandment is? I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Have no other gods. Second one, don't make a graven image. That, that, that's important. And so Moses has been gone 40 days tops, a fortnight. And what do the people say? I guess this whole thing's off now. Who knows what's happened to Moses? I guess, I guess God's not really uh, with us anymore. You're sure the presence is up there, but Aaron, make us a God, will you? Right? Make us gods to lead us. Verse 2, so Aaron said to them, absolutely not. Did you hear the first and second commandment, you guys? It's, a, it's been a mere 40 days. No. Aaron, the guy who's in charge, the high priest says, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. Calf is an odd translation. Uh, The the word is for a young bull, like a three-year-old bull. Okay, not a baby cow. And they said... These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. That is the the divine name there, Yahweh. Now the people are like, make us gods. And and Aaron makes them a bull, right? This This would have to Egyptian pagans like they were. This would have been identifiable as the bull god Apis. Here's Apis. We've got a little picture of Apis for you. Yeah. We got him. He's there. There's Apis. Okay. This is what he makes. Apis was a fertility god. Uh, a bull was symbolic in the ancient Near East of like virility, strength, fertility, making sense. He's that kind of god. And Aaron's like, but this is the one true God, trying to make it better, forgetting the second commandment, you can't worship the true God through a false image, right? And they rose up early the next day. What do you get up early for? Well, work. What else? Something you're excited for, skiing, something like that, right? They're pumped for this. And they offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. The word for play there has a range of meaning, which includes, yeah, kids, which includes fertility rites. 
Okay? It's not for sure what they were doing, but I've read a lot about the ancient world and it was nasty. Okay? So likely, at least they're worshiping an idol, having a festival. Likely they're also doing that kind of stuff in public. Okay? We got the picture? The people have broken the covenant. Like, let's look at how bad this is. Was there a moment of temptation? Was there a desperate situation that brought them to this? Oops, I made a golden calf and worshipped it doing fertility rites in a moment of weakness. No, this is the most unforced error there could possibly be. This is like cheating on the honeymoon, okay? <laughs> this is, they just promised. The, 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 remember last week's sermon is why they're in a row. They made the covenant. They said, yes, we agree to all of this. We'll be your people. You'll be our God. We'll make the unbreakable vow, Harry Potter fans. What happens when you break the unbreakable vow? We're going to find out. Verse 7. The Lord said to Moses, go down. For your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Now, it's not like, have you seen what your son did? And that's not what (laughs) is going on here. It's God saying, these are not my people. The covenant, what, the, the thing that binds them together, that he is their God, they are his people, is now broken. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone that my my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. Okay, so they all break the unbreakable vow. Remember what the penalty for breaking the covenant is. If I don't keep my word, I'm done. Death. Okay, on both sides. So the covenant is broken. The curse becomes active. The wrath of God is coming. And he says, Moses, I'm going to start over just from you. Verse 11. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent, did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self, and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. So remember from last week, I hope that everybody caught up because this was important, part of a covenant is the mediator. Right? Moses is the mediator. When he's talking to God, he represents the people. When he's talking to the people, he represents God. You got it. All right, that's what the mediator does. And so what we have here is not Moses teaching God. Right? Like God's like, oh, I didn't think of that, Moses. <laughs> that's not what's happening. Think of it like a courtroom. God is the judge. He's the one who, who judges them guilty and carries out the consequence. 
All right. The judge is not the defense attorney. Even if the judge wants a defense, the judge's job is not that. The mediator is the defense attorney. So the judge is saying they're guilty. This is what they deserve. Mr. Defense attorney, do you have anything? And Moses says, it, the Egyptians will, 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 will think that you just brought them out to kill them, right? And you promised to uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? And so that is God providing a mediator for them that does his job. That's what Moses is doing. Now, Moses goes down to the people, and he is God's representative to them. Verse 15. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand. Tablets that were written on both sides, on the front and on the back, they were written. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God, engraved on the tablets. So, wow, stone tablets written by God himself. These are nice tablets. Boy, I hope nothing happens to these tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. So try and picture this in your mind's eye. They're up on a mountain. The people of Israel are millions strong with livestock. Okay, so they're stretching out across the plain, but high up like that, you could see them but not hear them. They're getting lower and lower, and they start hearing things. Joshua uh, who's with Moses, d- does not know what's going on yet. But Moses said, it is not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing and the playing, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. This isn't Moses being edgy, even though he was angry, symbolic. These tablets are symbolic of the covenant, and now it is no more. It is broken. He took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink it. That's how angry he was. You're going to drink it. Now, there's not like precedent for that in the ancient world. Moses made that up. It wasn't like, well, what you do in this situation, this was customary. No, he was like, all right, what do I do with this? All right, I'm going to smash it. I'm going to burn it. I'm going to scatter on the water. They're going to drink it. Right? That's how upset he was. And Moses said to Aaron, what did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? And Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know the people that they are set on evil. For they said to me, Make us gods who shall go, up, go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So I said to them, let any who have gold take it off. So they gave it to me. Listen close. I threw it in the fire and out came this calf. Like, like, right? Like Aaron's like 95 at this point. And he has come up with something that a toddler would not find credible. (laughs) This is pathetic. So Moses comes down the mountain as God's representative, lets him know the covenant is broken. He holds leadership accountable. Verse 25. When Moses saw that the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose to the derision of their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp 
and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Put your sword on your side, each of you. Go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp, and each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. The sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and that day about 3,000 men of the people fell. Now, this is a text we could easily misunderstand because we're all like, hmm, my. I thought Matt was in a bad mood. Okay, so let's contextualize this right. Who is the king of Israel at this point? It is God himself, right? They don't have a king. God is the king. So what these people are doing in rejecting God and going nuts is a rebellion, okay? Is a rebellion against the rightful ruler. It is the breakup of the nation. You guys see that? So what Moses does here is he's putting down a rebellion. Now this go gate to gate thing, we don't understand. All right, the gates is where elders sat. So it's not saying, hey, just run all over the place and you're like Lancelot and the Holy Grail at that wedding. <laughs> Everybody see my Lancelot stabs everything. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, and that movie totally stands up. But it's saying, go to, the, go to where the ringleaders are, right? It, it's not indiscriminate run around stabbing stuff. All right, and, and you notice... This, uh, this kill your brother, companion, and neighbor is not a to-do list, right? It's not like, there's my neighbor. Where's my brother? Oh, that's not what's happening. It is denoting the tragedy of it, right? It's saying, this is terrible that we're in this situation. But the tragic result of this rebellion is that, that in order to stop it, in order to save this million-strong nation, the ringleaders have to be dealt with. Now, still, we're like, man, going around killing 3,000 dudes who were, that seems harsh. And, you know, like human rights tradition, Western people, we would never countenance something like that, much less celebrate it, right? Or say that's good. Would we? This is completely unrelated to what I'm talking about. Has anyone ever been on Sheridan Street or Grant Street? How about Sherman Street? What, who are those guys? Those were Union generals. What did they, what did they do? What are the streets named after them? Statues built to them? They put down a rebellion in this country. How many did they kill? Yeah, like 350,000 they killed. Right? And we say, yeah, yeah, it, it was tragic, but they had to do it, right? That, that's, it's hard, but true. Look, the bad news in this text is that the people are covenant breakers and God's wrath will come against evil. And, and the hard truth for us is that we're all covenant breakers. Now, maybe we're not on this level, right? We haven't directly worshipped an idol, but here's the thing. I have unbelief. I struggle with that. I'm guilty of not trusting God. I'm, I'm guilty of trusting in alternative gods. Oh, we wouldn't recognize them as gods. Money, uh, my own effort, 
uh, ignoring God's commands, right? Like, I've broken the covenant too, and so have all of you. And the consequences for that, the hard truth is that we are deserving of not being in relationship with God, just like them, and of the wrath that comes from it. Sermon over. I'm kidding. No, there's more. <laughs> Guys, we won't, we won't stay here. We're going somewhere else. But we need to hear that hard truth. Why? First of all, hearing hard truth is wisdom. It is wise to hear a hard truth. Proverbs 9, 7 we don't have this on the, on the uh, screen. Just listen. It says, whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. He who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man. He will love you. Give instruction to a wise man. He will still be, be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. It's saying one of the things that you know you're gaining wisdom is when you hear a hard truth, you're able to receive it. Okay. Have you ever tried to tell someone a hard truth and they refuse to hear it? Like, are you like, oh, this is a really wise person. They're not listening to a hard truth. I always think of, um, in 1941, uh, Operation Barbarossa, biggest surprise attack in history, right? Uh, you guys may not know this. So it was three million men surprise attacked the USSR, okay? How could three million men be a surprise? The answer is that Joseph Stalin, the leader of Russia, was getting intelligence reports. Hey, the Germans are going to attack us. The Germans are going to attack us. Stalin had signed a non-aggression pact with Hitler, famously, and his faith was all in Adolf Hitler. Right? He's like, no, Hitler would never do that. He promised. Right? So even when he's like, hey, there's, there's tons of artillery, tanks, planes, three million men along a 900-kilometer uh, border. They're coming. He would not hear it. In fact, he imprisoned people as fear mongers. And then even after the attack started, he wouldn't believe it. He would not hear that hard truth. When you won't hear a hard truth, it doesn't make a problem go away, does it? When we refuse to hear a hard truth, you know what that does? Is it makes further growth and maturity impossible. You can't grow if you won't hear hard truth. We need to reckon with the fact that we are covenant breakers. Right? This is a hard truth we need to hear. And if you're like, hey, I'm not that bad. I haven't killed people that I know of directly. You know, you're not hearing it. Now, does this mean that everything negative about you is true? No, no, one needs discernment. But being unwilling to hear a hard truth that before God's eyes, we stand condemned, right? If we're not willing to hear that, the problem doesn't go away. We just won't deal with it, okay? Also, hearing hard truth makes us desire change. When you are able to hear a hard truth, it makes you want to change, doesn't it? Right? In, the, in, in the addiction recovery community, that, that term rock bottom, right? The, the reason that you need rock bottom, if you're going to really get over an, a, a bad addiction, it's because change has to hurt less than staying the same. And if, and if we're willing to hear a hard truth, then it makes us ready to change. If our understanding 
of what the gospel is, like the, the message, the good news of Jesus, if it's like, hey, God just wants to hang with you and make your life a little bit better, help you with your finances, that sort of thing, right? Like that's not going to drive much change, is it? Instead, hearing that our need is desperate, hearing that our position is dire before God makes us long for change. We don't want to be this way. None of us wants to face the consequences of breaching covenant. And, and, and lastly, and this is the real key part now, it's that hard truth makes the good news good. Hard truth makes the good news good. If I were to say to you guys, good news, I can get you in for brain surgery in 20 minutes. Is that good news to any of you? 20 minutes. That's virtually right now. Still not good? It's the best brain surgeon in the front range. You'll get cookies after. Anything? Now, what if I told you, you have an aneurysm and you're going to die any second. I can get you in for brain surgery in 20 minutes. Good news now? Yeah, that hard truth makes the good news good, doesn't it? Was there good news in Exodus chapter 32? Because, I, I mean, it may not feel that way, but here's the deal. Did you see what God provided them in Moses, the mediator? The one who turns wrath away, who pleads the case of the people? Yeah. Did you see God withhold judgment? Right? Like, they broke the unbreakable vow. This is what they agreed to. Did God carry it out? No, he had mercy on them instead. Now, we aren't ancient Israelites in, in, in that same covenant. We have a new covenant with Jesus. Jesus is our mediator. And yes, it's true that left to ourselves, we stand condemned before God, but Jesus pleads your case before God at all times. That's the good news, right? And that news is only good if you hear the hard truth first. And do we see God's mercy in the covenant that we're in, of course. Because the central truth of the Christian faith is that the wrath of God that should fall on us falls on himself instead in the person of Jesus on the cross. Amen. Without the bad news, the cross doesn't make any sense, does it? There, there's a tendency to like kind of make the Christian, make the gospel, the message of the scripture, the, the good news about Jesus, to make it like easier to hear. You know, we, we're a culture that likes positive things like boy bands and Oprah. <laughs> and so like anything that comes across as negative, harsh and our mellow, we're like, eh, I'm not too into that. Right? That kind of hurts my feelings when you say that like I'm not that awesome and I'm not... I'm so unawesome that like the wrath of God belongs on me. Right? I, I get that. But here's the thing. What did Jesus have to die for if not to take the wrath of God from us? Like what, what sense does the cross make? Like why are Christians across the world and across history celebrating? Why did Jesus have to go to the cross? If the whole point is like, you know, like... Like people, people who want to take away this, this idea that, hey, we're, we're in the sight of God. We deserve wrath. Like, take that away. Well, why did Jesus die? Well, to be unselfish. That literally is their answer. To be unselfish. How is the cross unselfish? 
Like he was healing people all over the place. He just stayed until he died of old age and healed people. That would have been less, more beneficial, right? The cross doesn't make any sense without the hard truth. The good news doesn't make any sense without the hard truth. Think about this. These words that that are feel-good words, forgiveness. Well, there has to be something to forgive, right? If there's nothing to forgive, what's forgiveness? Mercy, right? Mercy is not getting something bad that you deserve. Mercy is just sentimentality if there is not a withheld judgment. Reconciliation, that means the relationship is severed and it has to be put back together. If everything's cool with God, reconciliation, redemption, that means something is lost. Something is, someone is enslaved and you got them back, right? These words without the hard truth are just sentimentality, meaningless, empty, hollow. With the hard truth, they're the gospel. They're the good news. We need to hear the hard truth because hearing hard truth is wisdom. It makes us desire change. It makes the good news good. We need to listen to the hard truth. I'm a big fan of um, Chance the Rapper, those of you who don't know. You know I'm not saying Chance who is a rapper. That's his, that's his rapper name, Chance the Rapper, just in case you were wondering if he was a painter. He's not Chance the Painter. He's Chance the Rapper. And, uh, and Chance the Rapper, um, interesting story, he, he actually started he started gaining a, a great deal of popularity like late teens, early 20s. He did not handle it well. Um, you know, it kind of went to his head and lifestyle-wise, he, he, he was addicted. I didn't know you could be, but he got addicted to Xanax. And he would be high on Xanax at all times. And he tells a story about how he went to his grandma's house and, uh, and, and, and she looked at him and she said, I know what's going on with you, and I don't like it. And she said, I'm going to pray for you. Now, this was normal. She would, she would often pray for him when he would go to visit her. So she prayed over him, and she said, Lord Jesus, I pray this boy would fail at everything he does that is outside your will, that it would simply turn to dust in his hands no matter how hard he works. And Chance was like, Grandma! <laughs> and he said he left the apartment. And, and that whole day, that whole, he, he, he walked around saying, oh my gosh, my grandma prayed a curse on me. What's going on? But he started to see himself. He started to understand. He repented and he actually started following Jesus, right? And it completely transformed his life. What? Being able to hear that hard truth led to good news for him. This morning, I know that This text is not the most pleasant to read. The truths that it teaches are not the easiest to hear. But if we're to gain wisdom, if we're to to, to actually transform and change and understand the good news, we need to hear the hard truth. Please pray with me. Lord, I, I pray that you would give us the hearts to receive this hard truth. That we would not be unwilling to listen to things that don't flatter us, but instead that we would see our desperate need before you and run to the cross of Christ to receive the good news. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.